Welcome to another ESR interview. This week, I have Andy Wind on the podcast. Andy is an old friend of mine who I met when we were both teaching English in South Korea. And he recently got into ultra running and has even podiumed at some big races, taking third at Zion 100K and the Run Rabbit Run 100 Miler in the past year. Andy is fun to talk to is really good to catch up with him and we sat down to chat about everything from training to nutrition to coaching to why even do these things in the first place and like the importance of hard things so i think you're really going to enjoy this one it's a really good conversation with someone who just loves this sport and one note before we get rolling andy is in australia so if there's any like stiltedness in the conversation that was coming from the time lag between the two of us, for the most part, it's pretty unnoticeable. But if we walk over, talk over each other, or there's like this weird long pause, it's usually because we were trying to figure out that time lag. Doesn't make a big deal. And it's a really good chat. And let's get into the interview. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This week on the podcast, I have a good old friend of mine. His name is Andy Wind. He and I met playing Ultimate Frisbee in Korea. We were both there many years ago at this point, and we're just kind of catching up. He is somewhat recently gotten into the world of ultra running. Honestly, I don't know a lot about that story. So we're going to talk about that here. But Andy, I'd love to know, since I never knew this back in the day, what took you to Korea in the first place? Uh, To Korea? um, I was just kind of at a weird spot in my life where I had been living out in in Lake Tahoe. I moved from there. Um, I ended up in Omaha, Nebraska, wasn't happy there. And then I ended up heading back home to Minnesota. I was just, you know, this like mid twenties kind of searching for, for what's supposed to be happening. And, and all of a sudden when I moved back to Minnesota, I was just temporarily staying with my parents. And I, a few months in, I found myself like at, you know, working at a bank that I didn't enjoy my cars breaking down the girlfriend at the time and I had kind of moved back to Minnesota partially for wasn't really working out just like wait what am I doing and then in the meantime I've got a great buddy who had just moved to South Korea to teach English his name's Ryan also Um, he was he he was there maybe six months ahead of me and he kind of put it in my ear just like what are you what are you doing what do you got going over there come on it's pretty good and so he kind of you know was this this uh beacon of like drawing me in and, and uh, guiding the way and help me get set up with a great job in Dejan. So, so it was meant to just be like a year to reset and explore and travel and see some new places. And I ended up being there for half a decade. Did you really? My Alabamian, yeah. Yeah. Five years. I didn't know that. Yeah. Met my Alabamian wife there in Korea, you know, as, as can be expected. I didn't know that either. I didn't know you met Sarah in Korea. I thought you two went, went there together. No, she had been there for five or six months when I arrived wow. and we met day 10 or so of me arriving in the country. I met her at a, a bar at St. Patrick's Day in, in uh, Dijon. That is golden, man. I had no idea about any of that. That's awesome, dude. When did you originally move there? 2010, early-ish. Okay. Yeah. So like, I moved there in 2013 in case like half the people on this podcast probably don't know that. And it, yeah, you left about a year before I did, I feel like. And yeah, 2014 met, somewhere. Yeah. We met playing Frisbee. There's a, there's a decent Frisbee scene in ultimate Frisbee in Korea. And like, how did you, did you play prior or did you get into it there? I had played like, you know, um, intramural kind of level of stuff in college. Nothing, nothing very serious. Um, obviously like gym class in high school, we learned the, the rules. Um, so very minimally I had played, but enough to have interest in it. Um, sure. and then, and then when I arrived, um, it's, you know, you're, you're in a brand new country and you're looking for kind of that social scene. And, um, it's a great way to travel around the country, meet a ton of people, get your exercise in, uh, build some community. It's, it's mostly expats 
bad at play as you know, but for the audience, um, yeah, it's mostly so. foreigners in Korea and, and kind of trying to pull more of the locals in, but, but the sport was very unknown. Frisbee is a, a dog toy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm saying so you try to explain it to your coach. And she's like, I'm going to go play Frisbee. And they're like, Oh, like dog. And you're like, yeah, sure. Like dog. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's mostly expats and which makes a great way to, to just meet a ton of people. So I got really sucked into it. I played my first season. I was captain of the team, the second season, and then running the whole league, like four seasons mm -hmm. after that. So, yeah. yeah. So it, it escalated very quickly. Safe to say. Cool. And so we can kind of divert from that. Like, when did you start running then? Like, how did that play into this whole like sport trajectory for you? Sure. Yeah. I've, I've been a runner my whole life. Um, got good genes for it. I would say a couple, uh, multiple, like all American aunts and uncles, not my parents really? at all. They'll be the first to tell you, but, but yeah, it's, it's in the bloodline. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I think a couple of my uncles still hold like, you know, some of the state records in Minnesota really? for certain events. Yeah. They're, they're okay. really, really good. Got it. Twins, uh, twin uncles, Pete and Paul King, they, um, there, there were legends of Mariner High School that hasn't existed for <laughs> way too long. But, <laughs> yeah, so, and and you know, uh, two of my aunts as well. So it's it's been uh, it's it's kind of built in. I was running, you know, one two k races as a kid. We got some home videos of all this stuff. Sure. So it was it was in my blood early on. But then um, high school cross country, I was a decent like you know eighteen minute five k kind of guy. So I ran on varsity for a few years in high school and then went to college and did what most you know, idiots in college do and just sort of uh, moved away from all things <laughs> yeah. healthy for a while. Uh, but came back That's around later in life, started doing half marathons, which quickly became marathons. Um, and then, I mean, you'll, you'll get this theme pretty quickly, but sure. I don't do moderation well as a general rule, I, I, in anything I do, I really either just go and run with it for a period of time or it doesn't really grab me, you know? So I feel like that's um, this entire community, if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a big trait for ultra running because you have yeah. to have that, I think mentality to get sucked in that far, yeah, but kind of all in. you know, that same progression was starting early on where it's just like half marathons. Okay. That's super exciting. The first few times and it loses its allure as you go you got to up the mileage to get that same rush at the finish line or that same feeling of accomplishment. Right. Yeah. So it's, it just keep, kept progressing from there, but I'd run five or six marathons over a six or eight year period. Um, and so, you know, it was nothing crazy three and a half, four hour type of marathons. Sure. And then, um, and then I switched careers to a company, uh, actually Anytime Fitness. Um, I work for the corporate office there, which is cool. in Minnesota near where I grew up. They're huge on yeah. obviously health and wellness, keeping balance. You've got coaching resources available to you. You've got flexible schedule, take a long lunch break if you need to get a workout in. Like they're just really serious about keeping their people engaged with the brands and doing awesome living the lifestyle right and just living and being happy before they think you're going to be productive at work so they're it's really it's cool. an amazing company to work for it is it is um and once i got into that environment i was able to really just dive into running and um i don't know do you remember Vinny olsen from uh, korea ultimate yeah i do you know Vinny? yeah yeah so Vinny we've, we've and his his partner <laughs> yeah yeah uh his partner barb um is an awesome ultra runner before i ever got into the sport yeah she's she's okay. a badass and she kind of helped me transition out of road running and into into the trails got it she was a great mentor for many years awesome. um vinnie and i and barb we still meet up every year once or twice a year for like a, a race somewhere get a cabin and uh, run a couple of events see some new states i love that so 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 yeah, oh, it's it's ton of fun and it's a great Sounds way to incredibly see fun. Yeah, it is. It is. And so Barbara's a great mentor. Um, I started 
having some medium success early on. And uh, it wasn't until I think about two years ago that I took on like a, a coach officially. I stopped asking Barb to basically serve as a coach for free and I started paying for coaching. And, yeah. um, and it was fantastic. Like, honestly, that that's when I went from like trying to finish races as a reasonable goal to like trying to podium and sure. being successful at podium, hitting the podium for these races. So, yeah, um, it was a huge jump for me. Um, shout out to his, his name's Josh Fields with Miles and Mountain. Doesn't really matter who you use, though. I definitely recommend taking on a coach of some kind. It's worth it. If you want to do this seriously and you really want to you know make make sure you're minimizing the risk of injury uh, maximizing your training and knowing what to do when to do it and when not to push um, those are all things that that a coach and josh in particular in this case really was was you know invaluable to me that's awesome in that regard. So, this is yeah. not meant to be like a big plug for coaching but since you like since you talked about it um how do you like completely. How, how have you found that helps? I mean, on, on my end, obviously, like I see a ton of athletes who we, we work in a sport where I almost always have to say do less. So <laughs> like, so that last one really kind of sunk with me, but what have you found? And I don't know, Josh, but like, what have you found to be like a big helpful thing for you in terms of like that relationship? Uh, yeah, I think one is the, the training plan, right? Like a lot, uh, the average yeah. runner, depending on how researched you are in, in these topics, um, you know, cause the, the information is out there, but if you try to do your own homework and just like follow YouTube videos or runner's world links or stuff, you'll get different advice from everyone that you talk to. And there's yes. six people arguing for this and then six people arguing against it. You just kind of don't really know what to believe and where to go. But so that's yeah. where, you know, having a, a legit educated, you know, uh, coach who knows their stuff, um, it, it, it gives you that confidence that what you're doing is right. And that you're gonna, you're targeting a certain kind of training. Um, you're not just guessing. So you have that confidence. You can go out, get the workout done, know that you've done enough and stop. Uh, so that's one It's just the programming Two is troubleshooting. When things do come up, when you've got, ah, what is that thing in my knee going on? Or shoot, now I got a cold. <laughs> Now I got a cold for a week and a half and, but I got a race in five weeks. <laughs> I, yep. had COVID, I had COVID for like two weeks, starting three weeks prior to a hundred K uh, a couple oh, yeah. of years ago. I remember you know? seeing that on Instagram. Yeah. Oh <clears throat> man. You know, so, so like, well, stuff comes up, you know, and, and yeah, it's really absolutely. tough to, to feel good about making the right decisions and calls in those situations without some guidance. So, uh, and then the other thing I'll say is, the accountability, like having sure. a training plan that you're beholden to because you've committed to it, but you know, it's not just, Oh, well, it's either going to pop up on Strava and I'll get 15 <laughs> kudos or not. Nobody <laughs> really cares. It's I'm, I'm supposed to do this. And if I don't do it, there's, you know, someone to answer to, or at least someone yeah. paying attention to that. I'm going to have to go in and make a note and kind of explain what's going on. And so if you're going to miss a run or something, there needs to be a reason for it. Cause you're, yeah. there's, there's that accountability piece. And I honestly, I think that that is, is huge. That's what you can get. You can get that without having like an expert coach. Anyone can, you can just set sure. up a, an accountability buddy if that is a word. Yeah. Um, but, but that's definitely a, a massive component to pair with not an accountability buddy who really knows their stuff and can give you professional advice. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. We all have these workouts we don't want to do. Right. Like I hate calf races. That's why my calf strained right now. Like I need to do more of them. It's a thing that we don't, there's always a thing. And yeah, if you have someone to be a little accountable to great, I think that's absolutely one of the biggest parts of my job. And it sounds like Josh's as well. That's great. Um, so how did you, when you got into ultra running, like how did that, how did that start? Did you jump in like full force? I talked to someone last uh, a couple weeks ago, David Terrio, who like his first ultra was a hundred miler. So like, what was your, <laughs> what, was, what was your trajectory? What have you run? Uh, what has been recent? That kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, started, I was 
it, the overlap with road running was just like a tiny little sliver of the of the circles there but okay i i ran a i ran a trail half marathon as a training run for a road race for a marathon that was coming up and i just signed up for it because it was kind of nearby and it looked really beautiful and it's like oh yeah i should try that and i didn't even really know what that meant i was just looking for like to put a good long committed hard run four weeks before the the event something like that found this sure. race nearby in georgia at the time and and you know did it and it was in cloudland canyon georgia which is uh ended up being like 30 degrees and there were like this this massive canyon with these icicles dripping and you're just all by yourself in these incredible trails everything's like frosted over and it was just it was incredible there's a waterfalls you know like that's amazing and, yeah, it was. It was one of the most beautiful runs I've ever done. And I finished it and was like so happy. It was like euphoric. And it, this, you know, this kind of epiphany moment really solidified itself when four weeks later I go to do the road race that I had used the, the trail run to train for. I go to do the road race and just totally blow up and end up walking the three of the last five miles and miserable, hate it, not happy. And just I remember at that finish line, just comparing the feeling at the end of the trail run <laughs> compared to the end of the road race and just never looked back from there. Like that's when the shift to trails sure. was, was solidified for me. And then, you know, uh, like I said, Vinny and Barb were, were good friends of mine at the time. I knew she was very involved with, with um, ultra running. So I started asking her some questions. We ran a 50K together maybe a year or so later cool um down which in, one in did you do it was uh called elephant mountains an aravipa okay. run yeah. down there in phoenix those guys are phenomenal they're fantastic um, yeah. and they, i don't know if you remember so I, lived in, I lived in tucson forever so like kind of that's my that's my space the oh yeah sense. you've done plenty of aravipa events then right i mean i'm aware of them for sure and i know i know like all the trails they run on like i wasn't a big runner until recently i'm still not sure i qualify that but yeah i definitely know all the places they go cool yeah yeah i'd, I'd recommend them if, if their name is on an event it's you i automatically know that it's gonna be well run super energetic well thought out yeah they're they're yeah. worth it jam and nick like uh, so, stuff completely <laughs> yeah yeah those guys are those guys are phenomenal at what they do and they're like you know some of the best athletes in the world too just to fact just to make sure that they're living with their <laughs> with, you know their business hundred uh, percent. So, but yeah, so we, so we did Elephant Mountain. Um, I ended up getting fourth place in it. Just like, like, whoa, okay. This is like, I, I can really do this, you know, compared to what getting 7,500th place in the marathons you do. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's a whole different feel. Yeah, and sure. there's beer and uh, brick oven pizzas at the finish line. It's just like super fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then it was just like, okay, now I got to, what's next? And I did a 50 miler later that year. The next year was a hundred K at, um, SOB up in, okay. uh, up in Oregon. Sure. Uh, yeah. Which ends with like a 4,000 foot climb between mile, like 55 and 60, <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah. I do. So, you, you know, and I just kept, the more you do these things, the more you put yourself through these challenges and then get to the finish line and feel that feeling of like, oof, okay. That, yeah. It's almost like the next morning, by the time I'm recovered from that one, I'm already like stoked about how to take it to the next level. And so it took, it took me maybe a year and a half, I think from my first ultra to get to the hundred mile. And I did it yeah. in more of a step up fashion. I didn't just jump straight in, but um, yeah, I mean, that's but yes. Yeah. But I mean, so all of this, I think I ran my first ultra in early 2018 and I'm get, coming up on 20 ultras now, two of them at the hundred yeah. mile distance. I didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been busy. It's been busy. Yeah, man. Um, but uh, yeah. W what else did you ask recently? Yeah. I mean, I know you, you ran a marathon recently, right? Like you had a weird, like yeah. return back to road. What, what was that? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, the simple answer is one of my buddies from work was, was wanting to run his first, like, cool. uh, his first full, he, he had run it before, like kind of pacing and running with a group of friends, but this was his first one that, that, uh, he wanted to like go and see what he could do. 
And so he asked me if I wanted to join. And at first I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be in Minnesota for, for that time frame already. Let's, let's put that in there. That's awesome. Um, and then kind of not sure if I was just going to pace with him or, or what, but very quickly I was realizing that I was in this like really peak shape. Cause I, I just come off of, um, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, no, I, I mean, I talked to you right about that time. You were on fire. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I've, I've had three massive PRs so far this year and, uh, and placed third in the, in uh, at the run rabbit run in the amateur division, the, yep. the tortoise division last year. Yep. So all in like the last seven or eight months, I've had like, you know, distance PR and then, um, a handful of podiums, won a few races last year. Uh, so it was really a hot streak kind of leading up to Zion 100k in April what three three months ago um where I just yeah. had the dream day race um everything came together kind of day like running with just legends out on the course uh you know I know a few uh, Hayden Hawks is out there pacing his brother and, and uh yeah yeah um oh what's his name up in in Oregon um Shoot. Anyways, uh, you know, just like meeting yeah. legends along the course and then picking them off one by one. I went from like, I started the race in like 15th at the first aid station and just gained two spots the entire event until I ran down third place uh, in the last mile, like charging up this hill. It was just That's fire. It like, yeah, stokes me a little bit talking about it now, but it was just like, I was in this just zone. And then right around that time, like now I finished that and I've got this road marathon coming up it's like well man let's see what i can do yeah and uh decided to take kind of what i expected to be my one and only shot at sub three hour marathon um since it was on the calendar anyways and yeah. i was in that shape like let's just go and see what we can do and, and uh smash it like a 15 minute pr 253 something and just okay, <laughs> just, feeling, oh. just feeling perfect you know and and Fire. rolling with it and just just you know, it's kind of, man, if I got this race on the calendar, it was going to be fun. Now I should do it seriously because I'm just for sure. it's primed for a big day. Let's go try it. So yeah, if you're ready to go, accidentally, go accidentally ran a road marathon, you know, that's happens. <laughs> I do. And I only ask because you said like, and I know like I have athletes who do both. It was that you said like made the full transfer over and I was kind of wondering why you, you made for it. I knew you were going for a big one and I saw you hit your PR. So that's awesome. What have you found in training that's hit that? Cause I mean, geez, dude, if you're placing third in Zion, that's a big deal. Like what has, and granted, I appreciate at the beginning, you recognize genetics and stuff. Like I, it doesn't matter how hard I trained. Like I'm not built for this. I enjoy it. I can like be my best, but I'm not going to podium. It's just not how I'm built, but like, how are we looking for like your training? What has like helped you hit your peak? Those kind of workouts. What have you found really makes a difference for you? Yeah. Um, I think it's running. I mean, to, it's almost become cliche, I think in some circles, but, um, running your fasts faster and your easies easier. Sure. Right. Like that's, I think that's just, one of the biggest things that people miss. And they just kind of, world. Yeah. It, it is right. But, but without guidance, I think that that's yeah. where people just get stuck in that in-between zone and they go out and they just run at like 155 heart rate for an hour and, and you know, like it's, it's yes. that middle dead zone. Right. Um, so I, I really think it's that being intentional with your pacing and your intervals um, and, and also giving yourself permission to truly let the easy days be easy, like heart rate in the one thirties, just take it easy and, and enjoy it and focus on getting the miles in without risking injury or overtraining. Um, so that's, that's probably one thing. Um, Two, I've also, I have to acknowledge a huge advantage in that I don't have kids and I've got a flexible work schedule with a company that, you know, that yeah, it really enables that and, and sure. encourages that lifestyle. So, um, so being able to make the time to get the training in is just like a huge chunk of the battle. So yeah, I don't have as many things to juggle as a lot of people do, but that's Appreciate it. That. That's still if you can juggle whatever you've got, whatever other commitments you have, you just got to get the runs in consistently. 
So when you're um, training you for something big up. like that, like what is, what is that schedule? And if for, I'll mention this in the intro, but Andy's in Australia right now and we might get to that in a second, but like, that's why there's a delay. And that's why we keep like mildly cutting each other off. Um, if there's uh if you're looking at that scheduling, like what, is, what are your big weeks look like? Um, what is that? Like, how much are you running? And granted, thank you. Like the flexible schedule matters for someone who worked like 12, 15 hour days sometimes, but like, what does that, yeah. what does that look like for you? Um, I get my peak weeks have been, um, I don't know, 70, 75 miles max. Sure. Um, I, I don't think I've ever gone over that except maybe a race week, obviously for sure. a hundred K or a hundred miler, but I mean, that's um, moderate you know, for some of these people, right? Like Walmsley and running 140 stuff. Like, yeah, I, I love that. That's awesome, dude. I think 70 is really achievable for someone. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a long lunch break or, uh, or a split shift, you know, get up at five and and run six or eight miles and then, and then jog a few in the evening. Um, and then, you know, make sure you hit your workout, like a really good speed workout while you use Wednesday works great for a lot of people. Um, and then also commit to one full legitimate rest day. Like those are kind of the simple components, um, long and then long on the weekend or long and then medium long. Um, is I think absolutely essential for, for, you know, ultra, you've got to be able to run on super tired legs and still go and still find hills to climb, um, even at the end of a 70 mile week. And that's the kind of, I think, endurance that you, that you need to be able to tap into. And even the almost like head game mental training of, of getting through the late stages of a race when you're just shattered. Um, those, those yeah. Sundays after a long Saturday are, are really, really instrumental. Absolutely, man. I mean, I feel like the mental training is as much as anything else. And that's why I see a lot of crossover from athletes who played like tournament style sports. I was like, oh, I'm going to go play the sixth game in a row now. Like they do very well on the mental side here because they're just used to playing mm-hmm. when they're beat to death. <clears throat> yeah. Good point. Yeah. If you're looking at uh, like, what are your Wednesday workouts? look like like what does that kind of stuff look like for you uh i mean it's it very much depends on the the mesocycle to get a little nerdy but, um <laughs> but right you know it, it depends if you're if you're really focusing on speed um and vo2 max and correct me if i get some of the terminology wrong this is more sure. you than me but if you're really focusing on like building top speed it'll be shorter intervals um with a little bit more ample of rest time, um, say like, like two minutes fast, uh, maybe 90 seconds of, of like jogging recovery sure. uh, and do eight or 10 of those. Mm-hmm. Just for example, throw yeah. a warm up, throw right. a cool down. Um, and then something like that. If you're more into uh, lactate threshold and increasing endurance, it might be more like 10 minutes at half marathon pace or 10 minutes at um, 15 K pace kind of range. And then a five minute rest and then another longer, not as speedy as the two minute intervals, but longer, less fast style. Right. Does yeah. that sound about what you're yeah, hundred percent. And like the reason I asked is because I just want like you and I have not discussed this in advance. Like I, we have not really talked about coaching. I do not coach you. Somebody else does. And I just want to be like, this shit works. Like, like if you want to improve VO2 max, this is what you do. If you want to improve lactate, this is what you do. Like this is this is how physiology works, right? Like we need to fit, yeah. fit these intervals in. They're gonna be a little dependent on you. Might be like a two minute, might be a three minute, whatever, but it should be short and terrible. like it should look a lot like that (laughs) like that's how you improve your vo2 max and same with lactate it's like 10 to 15 minutes and it should be less terrible but still hard so yeah absolutely man that makes a lot of sense to me um the one thing like you mentioned recovery a couple times and we can take this during i'm going to kind of let you dictate this but like what have you found really helps you with recovery um one committing to a day for it Mondays, oh. I know I'm not doing a damn thing on Monday. It's a day to <laughs> relax, right? Um, I know that right. my, you know, my coach is going to hold me to that. Uh, if I try to get carried away or sneak in a rock climbing day or, or something sure. like, nope, not Monday. Monday, you don't Actually, even mow the lawn on Monday. 
rest, recover. Okay. So right? short pause. Like, do you do you like any mobility or any stuff on Monday, or do you just kind of like sit on the couch? Because like that's a that's um, a that's a thing people actually talk about a lot. So like, what do you feel about that? I try to like light stretching. Maybe I used to do like a full rolling out routine, and um, I do. I'm into like the voodoo floss. If you, you sure. know those rubber bands, yeah, absolutely. Um, into that stuff absolutely. ART um, active recovery or mm -hmm. no, what does it even stand for? Active release technique. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do used to do a lot of that. Like that was my Monday routine. Uh, I kind of got coached out of that, like letting it be more, you know, light, light. If, if there's any rolling, it's light rolling, some light stretching, but mostly it's like sit on the couch, um, read, study, look at your next week, plan out where your runs sure. are going to go. Like, right. More admin side of, of the training plan, if anything, um, but not putting any pressure on yourself to, you know, like just knowing that there's, there's a day to relax, hydrate, mm -hmm. eat, eat calories, all that side of the stuff. So cool. now, now what I do is I try to, I try to mix in the mobility, the mobility and the ART and the rolling throughout the week more so, and, and really just try to leave Monday for what it is. So what else do we, what else do we do instead of like a dedicated rest day? What else do you find helps you with recovery? Um, yeah, I'm not that fancy. I, I have a, a foam roller. I have a, a lacrosse ball. I have my ART bands. Uh, the voodoo floss. And that's about it. Um, I do, I try to do yoga once a week when it's, when I'm in a place that it's available, um, which I'm not even sure that that's ideal for, for running. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but, you know, and I don't know, I think I also stay really active with my other hobbies. Um, I think that's important. That's something for me to, I, I use as I call it cross training. But it's mm -hmm. also just like trying to enjoy life. Um, yeah, man. I want I want running to enhance my life, not take over it altogether. And it's very easy to do when you get sucked into it. Um, and you do. You, you got to commit 15, 18 hours of training a week. Yeah. When do you make I mean, time for other hobbies? You and I both trained for like high level ultimate and stuff in an international scene. And like, this takes more time than that. <laughs> like you and I are both pretty good at that. This is a really time consuming hobby, much less like you're basically training, training like a semi-professional athlete. Right. For no money. And, and while you're balancing everything else. So yeah, again, I, I don't mean, <laughs> no, right? I've got, I've got a very fortunate situation that I can do, I can get those hours in and still be able to go climb, um, play ultimate, whatever. If you, I mean, if, yeah, if your thing is bowling on Tuesday night, don't give that up. Like do what you love and find ways. Like I'd rather, I'd rather have like five hobbies that I'm operating at like 85, 90% of my max potential at than one hobby that I'm just totally, that's my life. And I'm, that's all I'm going to do is that one thing. Like yeah. I'm into being well-rounded and trying to I'm the same use, way. use running to enhance, not to dominate. Yeah. And I mean, if it dominates for you, I think that's great, but I'm the same way. And I also like my biggest concern is when, and yeah, this is not like a caveat or whatever. I, I do appreciate if that's your thing. I do get worried because like, there's such a high injury rate in this sport that when you're not able to run anymore, like that can be really devastating for a lot of people. And some people manage really well. And some people get really down about that. It's like having even shit knitting i don't care like something that you can yeah. like move move a little more time into if you're on a down piece is useful even if like running is your number one passion it's a great point so i mean you mentioned food a few times like what this is i mean this is how i started in this world right like i'm really good at the nutrition stuff and then training is like not not bad by any means but like nutrition is kind of my jam that's how i came up so like how if we're if we're looking at your general fueling um, and this can be your day-to-day -day life, I, that clearly matters a lot, but also everybody wants to know race day. <laughs> what do you eat? How do you eat? How do you go through that? Like, what do you do at the aid stations? Uh, what's your hydration? All this stuff, like what works for you? So you can get like a different opinion of me, like ranting at people every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, we didn't rehearse anything. So if I match yeah. up with back up everything Will's ever, ever told you, it's by coincidence. I probably won't. Though. <laughs> this is, 
Yeah, we'll see what we got. I, I'm not, I've never been that particular with nutrition. Again, coming from a place of being very fortunate, I've had kind of an ironclad stomach in, on race days. So I, I haven't had and, to be too particular, which is amazing. But yeah, um, and this goes back but, to being like really fit from the start, right? Like that helps that a lot, which is super cool. And that's like a big, big thing with people. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know that. Is that, is that, that helps your gut generally yeah, speaking? Yeah. So if you don't have to like push as hard to go, go a pace, you don't produce quite as much lactate. So you don't end up with as much cortisol and stress through your gut. Um, and your blood is also not like all in your legs, right? So like if you're, if you're fitter than me, you don't have to shunt quite as much of your blood supply to your legs. So you have a lot more blood plasma to go to your digestive digestive system. So you can digest like more complicated to digest foods, like fats, for example. Whereas if you're me fairly new to the sport and trying to run really hard, really far, then like all of your blood goes to your legs. You don't have a lot of blood plasma and you don't have a lot of blood flow to your gut. So like if I eat a bunch of peanut butter while I'm trying to run and my heart rate's at like 160, which it probably will be on race day. Cause like, I'm not that fit yet that like, that's going to be a lot harder for me to digest. So I got to like prioritize those quickly digesting stuff. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. Cool. That makes sense. That's kind of yeah. track with. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It, it, yeah. it reminds me how spoiled I've been too, but um, yeah, there you go. But yeah, yeah, because I so the two things I'll shout out is is Hammer Nutrition. I'm a big, oh. big uh, proponent of, of their products. Um, certainly not sponsored by them or anyone else. But sure. um, but yeah, that uh, they've got some really great little electrolyte caps uh, called Endurolites. Um, they've they're also their hydration. It's called Heed Hydrating Hydrating sure. Electrolyte Energy Drink. Um, heat is, is what goes in my water bottles at all, uh, for anything a little bit shorter. Cool. Um, once you get above 50 K, they have a thing called, um, perpetuum, which is uh, fantastic. I used an ultimate in college. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's like longer burning kind of more carb based than, than the heat, but I think it has some protein um, in it too, which helps you like if you're either a weekend tournament or out there for like more than six hours. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And that's the idea is for those like long, long, uh, endurance days more than just electrolytes. But, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of their products. I also use their gels, their goos, um, all day long. Um, and then there's also a product called Kachava. That's like a kind of a whole food, uh, powder that you just mix into water and shake up. Um, Interesting. this is new to me. You're yeah. Oh man. It. This, it's, um, it's, it's just kind of, it's based on like superfoods and maybe it's, their marketing is a little gimmicky and stuff, but this, I really like the product. Um, Good. so you just take a scoop or two, depending on how much water, mix it up in a shaker. Um, and it drinks pretty smooth. Um, and I've just found like, it's, it, it's like a meal, like, yeah. and it's something that I've been able to have like a half a shake at an aid station at mile 60 and, nice. And, you know, have enough calories to, to keep moving. And it's something other than just gels and goos and pickles um, on yeah. race day. <laughs> yeah. So big fan, big fan of that. It's called Kachava. Um, cool. I can shoot you the link if, if you want. But yeah, yeah they're, they're it'll be great, in the show notes for anybody. Great product. A um, little pricey, but I found it to be very much worthwhile. Um, and then and then aid station foods. I mean, I, sure. it's like the only place that I drink soda is at <laughs> aid station. Yeah, um, probably me too. I, I more prefer ginger ale. Ginger oh. ale is my jam on race day. Nice. Um, but avocados, peanut butter, Nutella, roll-ups, uh, you know, typical aid station food. I, I'll, yeah. I like to shoot around and, and take two of everything on my way out. You know those little peanut butter pretzels? I do. They're the combo like, things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like stuff my pockets full of those at the aid station sometimes. One of my road trip foods. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Love that. Nice fun. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, all that tracks. I, I just tell people carbs all day. Like you yeah. eat carbs all day. <laughs> just shove them down your face <laughs> and a bunch of fluid. Uh, do you like, what is your, you say heat's in your water bottle. Like, do you know how much like fluid you're trying to intake? Do you keep track of that? Like, do you, how do you work for that? And again, like you, you've been doing this quite a while. So this is different than it would be for someone who's newer to it, but what do you do? Um, I haven't been too specific with that. I mean, I, oh. my, my rule is go into an aid station empty, whether that means, whether that means right. you dump the rest of it over your head, 
but like you've got a chance to fill up. Great. Do it. Um, yes. Right? I mean, so yes. And some aid stations are three miles apart. Some are twelve. So you know you may have to do more, put more or less thought into it uh, based on the the spacing of those and the weather conditions and all that. But generally speaking. Um, I make sure that when I go into an aid station, I got to fill up both my bottles, usually one with whatever their electrolyte drink is, or if I've got a drop bag, I'll, it'll be heed, um, if, or perpetuum, if it's, if I, there's no drop bag there, then I'll fill up whatever their electrolyte is tailwind or whatever it might be. And then the other's water. So I keep one of each in my vest, um, fill them, fill them up both every time through, um, unless there's a, you know, some races you, you end up with an aid station at mile two and a half that sure. I still never understood how it got there. But generally speaking, <laughs> go, go into the aid station empty and leave it full. And that's as about as much thought as I've put into it. I mean, I if you're going to do nothing else, I think that's right. Right. Like we can get really nitpicky. People have heard me get really nitpicky about it, especially for like hot races. But if you do nothing else other than go into it empty and leave it full, that's it's way better than showing up like half of that. Absolutely. Yeah. If you are, yeah, man, I think that's kind of, kind of makes sense. Like you're doing really well with all this stuff. I'm loving to see success on Instagram and how it's going. Like what's, what's coming up for you next? You're in Australia now, moved down there for why remind me like it's cool. Uh, for my wife's uh, career path uh, led her to the university of Queensland on a fellowship program. So She's uh, she's saving the world and I get to tag along for the ride and uh, work was easy enough to, to let me, you know, be flexible and work from here. Just I, I asked my boss, like, hey, uh, you might be going to Australia. I don't want to quit, but do I have to? And he's like, well, you OK with weird hours and longer flights? Yep. OK, that's it. That. Thanks, boss. That's so, awesome. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here we are. Um, I actually, for, for the first time, probably since I started running ultras, I, I do not have a race booked on the calendar right now. And that's very much by design. Um, I think to sort of just be able to explore Australia, keep my options open. I've actually just jumped on a, an ultimate team for their nationals nice. coming up in, in okay, October. Cool. Good. So yes, uh, I joined a rock climbing gym here and, and really getting my, my climbing strength back up, hitting weight training and, and um, just kind of taking some time to not have to do a five hour run every Saturday while we're trying to see this <laughs> new, brand new country. Yeah, I um, feel that. Good, man. You know, I think that's awesome. It, 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 I do. I think great. I agree. I think you got to have some time, some lulls in there as well, where you can let life happen a little bit, dive back into your other hobbies, chase other passions. Uh, but, but at the same time, I know it's, it's, uh, it's on the horizon. Um, I've already got my Western States qualifier done for the year. So I don't have right. like, I don't have that pressure on myself. Um, Good. we will, we'll see how that raffle goes for States here in the winter. And that will kind of determine probably my next steps. Sure. That's awesome, man. I mean, since you mentioned it, like obviously Western States, there are other big ones you definitely want to do at some point. Um, I don't know why, but I've been obsessed with the idea of uh, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji in Japan. That's a cool idea. Uh, I didn't know they yeah, had that. That's a lovely idea. Yeah, it's it's that's a sweet one. Um, there's all there's a couple great looking ultras here in Australia that'll be handy That's for me ones. just because I'm here. Um UTMB uh in Chamonix of course, uh, of of course, course. right? It's so pretty. It's gonna it's just devastating oh. and so pretty. Like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah that's those are those are kind of my my bucket lister races. Um awesome. I, I I'm I'm at a three year streak for states here now, so I'm starting to get to where I actually will have a reasonable have chance a at some point one of these years. Like, sure. you know, just just make sure I run one qualifier each year, and eventually, uh, so silver belt buckle is something that I've had in mind since reading Dean Carnazzi's book back in you know 2005 or whatever it oh, that's was. So and, long. That's awesome. Yeah, Good. I, love that. I, I, I love that drive. <laughs> I, well, I mean, the 
it took me another 15 years almost sure, to, man. to run, like it's a, to run an ultra even let alone to sure. run a hundred but, but but i mean but, if we can um, talk yeah, about that like the seeds that were planted. yeah absolutely right like there's a, there's a thing sitting there for you that's cool that's really cool yeah and i mean yeah and shot props to dean too he i think he get, he gets a bit of flack for like you know as a self-promoter and kind of there there are people who you know didn't like that he like popularized the sport in the way he did but i wouldn't be here if not for him and i'm sure that's true of a lot of people you see that the yeah. number of applicants to western states over the last 10 years went from like a few hundred to fifteen thousand or yeah. whatever they're they're expecting right. this year so I mean, and, good on him. And yeah, if you can make money by writing a book in the meantime, great. Yeah, hey man, get out of and that just, corporate job. Dude, and you've heard, him, you've heard him talk. Like he he clearly loves it. It's not like it was, whatever. Like yeah, absolutely. Do your thing. And if it happens to show other people that they want to do that same thing, cool. That means you were doing a cool thing. And then yeah. we gotta adapt. We'll figure it out. Like ultimate's on a similar trajectory. Like, and it's been, it's been weird. Like I, I was in the day of absolutely no observers ever existed. Like I remember the first tournament they were at and now they're a necessity in international play or else you're going to get someone stabbed. Like it's, it's, it's a thing like things have to adapt. Absolutely. Yeah. So good man. And do you know what the hurt 100 is in Hawaii? Hurt? Yeah. 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 I feel I like hurt. I think yeah. you might enjoy that one. I was hoping you knew what that one was. That one feels like yeah, I, that I've could certainly be up heard of it. <laughs> I mean, um, I haven't. I've never even been to Hawaii, so just that whole place yeah. is is on my list. Yeah, yeah. I've also kind of. I've still got in the back of my mind to to get a triathlon done or a, an oh. Ironman rather at some point. I've done sure. a couple of tries. I can't really swim, but I, I'm kind of reserving that idea for maybe a little later in life when when I can't get the the running miles in like I'm able to do now. Yeah, you know, switch the bike, switch the swimming. Sure. But until my body tells me I can't run 75 miles a week, um, I'll probably keep, I'll probably keep on this path. Awesome, man. And like on kind of on that note, it's the thing that's been like in and out of my head for the past 20 minutes. So I should ask before I forget, what's your strength training like? Because as you know, like that's actually like my, my day job is to make people stronger. Like, what does that kind of look like for you? Do you do that during your training cycles? Do you have pause on that like what does that look like you said you're getting like bigger into the gym now so that's what made me think of that most recently yeah yeah um i'm mostly you know i, I think i keep it pretty simple uh, i know the basics um of of weight training and and not a ton more but you know I, sure. i'll do a i'll do like in muscle groups so like you know i did i did chest and shoulders yesterday i'm gonna do back and core today and then legs legs on in a couple of days you know so like, sure. i'll just try to do my muscle group um I, I like to superset two or three uh different moves that work the same muscle group if i have the space in the gym for it sure um and yeah i, I focus a lot more on that stuff in off seasons than during peak training as you should during peak training I, <laughs> yeah I, yeah right of course but uh yeah. during during higher level specific training, I try to keep it to um, like a, a hit style workout at least once a week. So it's more cool. functional. It's more body movement. It's full body, well-rounded. Uh, and I and then I also do basic like lateral plane movements. Cool. You know, your smart, your band, yeah. your Frankenstein walk, your banded mm -hmm. hip routine type of, of moves. So I, I keep the bands handy. Cool. And, you know, we spend so much time in, in this plane with your legs that it's, I think it's really beneficial. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir to get moving like, that lateral plane, some sliders and some, you know, like one legged mm -hmm. squats, uh, just, just shifting your weight a different direction. Absolutely. So that's, that's the kind of stuff during training. I'll, I'll just get a, you know, 15 minute, like hip, hip type of routines in awesome. and, and then a hit workout. That's cool. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I don't really have anything else. Anything else you want to tell people? Like, I, I really think you're going to, I mean, not that you haven't already, you've been crushing it for the past little bit. Third Zion, all sorts of stuff. It's like a big uprise. And we saw a ton of people take a rest during 2020 for obvious reasons and come back hard in 2021. So would not surprise me if you kind of hit a similar thing after a bit of a break. So 
awesome man i'm well, kind of stoked to see where you come to well yeah what else do you have to say thanks man yeah well i for me it was almost the opposite in 2020 i i was just starting to get my feet wet i had just taken on a coach um uh, and i all my other hobbies became off limits <laughs> yeah right? no more ultimate yeah. to be played there's no rock climbing going on team sports are, are totally gone sure the gyms are closed for a good portion that year it was like okay all I can do is run on trails by myself. That's like the only safe and allowed thing that there is. Yep. So I just, I just put all my eggs kind of into that basket for most of the, the COVID era there yeah. um, and just really, really dove into it. So for me, it actually was kind of a, a big advantage. Uh, sure. All the races were canceled. So I really got to just build from the ground up and, you know, without like having a target race every 15 weeks or whatever it is, it was just like, nine months of, of just ramping up as gradually as I wanted, taking as many different mesocycles. I could plug them in wherever I wanted. So it was actually amazing uh, the way that that worked out. And that really helped, I think, launch into the results that I've been feeling over the last couple of years. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the, the last thing that I would say is um, life Life used to be a lot harder for, I think, for humans. Um, you know, three, three, 400 years ago, where the lifespan was 40 years of age, uh, the expectancy for, for the average human. We've almost doubled that in, you know, what, 10, 20 generations in, in the last 300 years. And, and I think we're getting really kind of stagnant and bored. And uh, it's just, it doesn't, life isn't supposed to be this easy. So, you know, there's like this weird thing that that trail running, I think, connects for me that kind of brings you back to when life is supposed to be harder and you needed to challenge yourself. And each day, like required survival skills of some degree. Uh, I think ultra running kind of brings brings us back into that. Uh, if you're like, it's weird because it it's, comes from a place of privilege, right? To like, oh, sure. my life's too easy. I got to I got to manufacture these hardships to sure. put myself but I mean through. But I think there's some to it. Like, even if we take, take away some of the privilege in that, right? Like there, if, even if life's really hard for a whole pick a pick a reason, like most of us still do exactly what you and I are doing right now, sitting at a desk. And I think there's a big reason why like Spartans and ultras and all this stuff has taken off because there, I do think that there is a drive to move. And a lot of the time, if you don't have a reason to do that, you just don't do that. So even if like we can talk about all of the ills of social stuff that does make life really hard for some reason, it most of the time it is not hard from a like physical standpoint. And if, you know, signing up for some absurd race in November, speaking about myself here, like gives you a good course for six months to like pick a training plan and kick your own ass a little bit, then sometimes that might be something in there for that. Yeah, right. Well, and then I, I really, I think the whole point then is, is not just to do the race, but to put yourself through what's required to get that race <laughs> yeah. done. Right? Yeah, like, for me at least, training. absolutely. Like I, I've been hurt. You've known me hurt probably more than not back in Korea. I was injured all the time. And like, I don't need that anymore. So like to know I'm going to sign up for this and not get hurt, like it means I get to train a lot for like six months. And that's what that means. Yeah. And it requires you to, to, you know, plan, hold yourself to it. Yeah. Get, the, get the reps in, like go out, even when the weather is garbage and you, you know, are half hung over or whatever it is, like you get, you force yourself to go and get it done to earn the right to even get to that starting line. Sure. And then when you get there, getting the race done that day too, you're, you're like intentionally putting yourself in this weird place where you're just, going to go make a circle and come right back to where you started for no reason other than like putting yourself through stress to see if you can handle it to make yourself handle it. And then I think that the whole payoff is carrying then that mental toughness with you afterwards of like, right. You're not changing the world. You're not producing anything. You're just running in circles and the, there's gotta be a reason for it. And the, it's, it, it's that it's coming back to that, like making enough challenge to prove to yourself that you've still got what it takes to like 
survive stress, like real physical stress, real mental stress. You're willingly putting yourself into these dark places for an hour, two hours at a time, and then coming out the other side of it. I, I think you carry that with you later in a way that like all these problems at work or, you know, with the bus is late or whatever, you know, petty little stuff that, that comes up seems it just really gets put into its place. I think after these races. So to me, that's uh, what it's all about. I love that. I mean, I, I had to mute myself. I was laughing too hard. I would cut you over, but like, I've been laughing since Andy started talking basically because it's a hundred percent true. Like you get out there and most of us know we're not going to podium. You're not going to make a paycheck off this. Like, it's not like you're going to even win, right? Like when I play ultimate, like you, you either won or you lost in this, like, you get to go face yourself for an absurd amount of time and end up exactly where you started. And then maybe you, if you sign up for a mad moose event, you get enchiladas at the end of it. Like it's hard. It's hard for really no reason other than like, we need to do some hard stuff. Sometimes it's cool. It's a cool thing. I really appreciate it, but it's kind of weird when you think about it like that, there has to be some underlying drive for it. Otherwise it makes no sense. And that's the, and the, the trick to it all I think is, you really have to go through it to fully understand what we're saying. You could listen to that as someone who's never run and go, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But you don't really, I think, understand what those dark places mean and pushing through layer six of the wall at mile 80 in the middle of the night, going up a mountain. Like you have to do those things to really understand them. I think Um, to really appreciate then the, the, the backside of it to, to be able to enjoy it afterwards. So, cause I, every, every ultra runner gets the same question all the time. It's like, why, what are you doing? And a lot of times you don't even, I don't like try to answer. It's like, I don't know. This is fun to do hard stuff, you know, cause, cause it's so hard to explain. It takes this much time and, and like-minded, I think people discussing it to actually be able to, to, it just requires a lot more attention and energy than most people are actually wanting in that answer. Yeah. So it's, you know, most, most of the time just kind of, ah, oh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do. And that's fun. And, you know, you should try it. You totally could. And like, yeah, no, never, not even, not even going to run a 5k, but, but yeah. yeah, you know, if you, if you, if you know, you know, I guess as the kids say, right. I'm saying like, it's a weird thing to dig yourself out of that hole and granted, like I've never done a hundred. I don't know what it's like to pull yourself out of the hole at 3am, but like, I, you know what it's like to completely destroy your muscles and run on no glycogen and self to chase down this fucking guy on the end of a frisbee field and then like throw yourself at the disc so that you win this stupid game that also means nothing and i'm just like i don't know why i chose to do that for so many years and there is a thing that you hit when you like push through that space that it's really validating i got nothing yeah. else but that's it it's really valid. It's validating in that moment. And then later as well. That's, oh God, I, yeah. I always go back to that. Like, I think you, you can take that mental toughness um, and that like confidence in yourself to get through whatever, like legitimately two years ago, a hundred miles seemed ridiculous. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, and then, and then now looking back, it's like, yeah, I did that hundred miler. That was, turns out to not even have been that hard. It was Havelina in, uh, sure. in Phoenix, area. Sure. flat desert circles. Right. Yep. Not only did I do that, I did one up and down the Colorado Rockies for 25 hours. Like which one do you do? So now what, uh, run rabbit run. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Savage. Fantastic. Up in Steve. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. But yeah. So, so like if, that used to be impossible and now it's like totally doable. Anything else that presents itself as impossible, I'm calling bullshit straight away, right? Sure. Like, nah, why not? So it kind of, that's, that's the, where you, having been through that, put yourself through that allows you to carry that confidence with you that, you know, this too shall pass and I can will myself through anything I want. I get that. And when you get to that like sixth wall in a race, is that kind of what you draw on that just that hard stuff makes hard stuff easier? Or is there like other stuff that you pull from to like get through that mental toughness space? Oh, it's, it's really hard to tap into it, to be that self-aware. If you're really in it, it's tough, you know, cause everything sucks. And I, I dumb it yeah. all the way down to in those moments, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, like go, don't stop. You're, this is what you came for. You know, I just kind of put sure. play those simple messages as like mantras or whatever in my head. Um, 
Yeah, you're in it. This is what you came for. Left foot, right foot. You're in it. Let's go. Right. And keep moving forward. It's it's going to you're going to get there, but you, you only get there if you keep moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds so easy. It, I mean, right. It, you have it to be, make it that simple in your exactly. in your messed up brain at that moment, because there's there's no real um, processing. I don't think taking place or any intelligent thought. 100%. I mean, sometimes we got to remember that simple and easy are not the same thing, right? And sometimes it needs to be simple, even when it's not easy. So, yeah. I like that. 100%. As long as I'm a poster. Go for it. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. It was really fun. Yeah, man. It's fun. And I was sure how long we were going. We've gone over an hour. I think we're going to call it. Um, you hang around for a sec. It's been over an hour. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, bro, I'm man. good. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you for being here. I'm going to hit stop and uh, we'll chat for another sec. Thank you all for sticking around who listened to this. Appreciate it. Bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, Please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.